0: two one hello Michelle
1: how's it going <laughs> I'm getting ready to crack my neck oh so uh, go ahead like crack I'm your g- neck feel like
0: I'm put it on to put the microphone it. to it so we can hear it does it pop I, think I
1: just pop
0: Ooh, that was, get- <laughs> that was a good one that was a good one do you do that all the time
1: just when I'm getting ready to
0: throw I, down I, yeah <laughs> <laughs> pull this uh microphone like a fist from your face there we go is that like better that. yeah perfect all perfect. right so what's happening
1: no we're just in town um uh, my brother-in-law just moved, just got stationed here in California, so we drove him down, and then we did the whole Disney San Diego. Thing. Um, no, I think it's it's actually an hour f- south of here. I think so it, it's not oh, okay. close by, but
0: mm-hmm. cool.
1: Air Force. Oh, okay, and so we did the whole is that Edwards.
0: Thing. Yes. Oh, okay. I think it is. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. I know where that is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we got stationed there.
0: That was the first time I ever saw a, a, a stealth bomber. It was like at, right after nine one one, we were filming um, uh, Fear Factor out there, mm-hmm. and I saw one fly overhead. It's like a UFO. It's like wow, that is crazy.
1: Does it look like a UFO?
0: Yeah, it doesn't even look real. Really? You ever seen one in real I've life? Never. Mm-hmm. It looks like a like a Batmobile, like like Batman's plane. Uh-huh. It's so crazy when you see one flying. You're like, wow, the engineering involved in something like that. It's insane.
1: And that was a while back. Yeah, it was Fear Factor.
0: Sure, it was 2001 because mm-hmm. it was right after 9/11. So it was 2000. That's it right there. That's what we that's saw. One of them. There's two. There's one of them.
2: Uh, there's a B2 and then this is like an F-116 mm-hmm. or something like that.
0: I don't know which one we saw, but it was black and wicked looking.
1: Nice. Yeah. That's crazy. It looks like your Tesla. Yeah. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> f- flying around in one of those things. That's what we thought. And,
1: well, imagine back then. That's mm-hmm. what it looked like back then. So what, what? what is there now?
0: Right. You probably can't see them. They probably look like the sky. Probably. Are you from a military background?
1: I, my dad, yeah. yeah. My dad was... In, so that's what my parents met. My dad was stationed in Germany. Oh. My mom was fleeing Thailand. Whoa. To, um, to uh, her her first husband was like physically abusive to her so she was leaving thailand and she came to germany to find her a gi and then found my dad (laughs)
0: she came to find a gi specifically
1: (laughs) well you know i think she was coming to get away but you know she wanted to she wanted a better life for her son at the time and my dad was in the hospital and so my mom was Taking care of him and oh, wow. cooking him food and <laughs> made him fall in love.
0: There you go. <laughs> and
1: my dad always jokes. He says, it's, he, he tells us a story all the time. He's like, yeah, your mom was taking care of me. And then she told me that you were pregnant. And then 12 months later, you were born.
0: <laughs> oh, that's funny.
1: <laughs> so, but now they fell in love. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was just a really long pregnancy. This- just weird. <laughs> just kind of weird i don't know why
1: <laughs> yeah she's like 12 months i don't know but That's i was very small but no yeah and then so then we moved to colorado and i was born then we lived in germany for a little bit when i was younger and then back to colorado and i grew up in aurora colorado
0: oh cool when did you start training
1: um probably around 10 yeah yeah around 10 um i have i have an older brother he's four years older than me he's my half brother and um I really wanted to do gymnastics as a kid, and my parents just, we just couldn't afford it. It was really expensive. And so my brother found um, a little karate spot at the church just across the street, and it was a community, like a community uh, karate thing, and so it was something that all three of us could do. And so, yeah, we jumped into it, and I fell in love with it. I just, it just took over my life and changed, changed my life.
0: Did you start competing really quickly?
1: Yeah, I think so, um, and at first, it's funny because at first, um, so I would do like the the karate tournaments, and so there's point sparring, and then there's the katas, and <clears throat> I thought the katas were silly, and I remember <laughs> going in and doing point sparring, and... Um, Getting knocked on my butt, and I was like, "Okay, I think I, I want to do some katas then. <laughs> <laughs> I want to bring some trophies home." <laughs> so, but um, so yeah, I competed ca- uh, karate from ten all the way up until I was eighteen, and so I did a lot of the like the flashy like um, extreme martial arts katas with the um like the flips and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But I always I always came back to sparring because I wasn't good at it.
2: Mm. Like I was
1: like, uh, it, it bugged me. It bugged me that I, that I wasn't good at it. And then I found my niche because it's point sparring, so you get two two points to the head for kicks to the head. So I would just sit back and let them come in and just kick them in the head, <laughs> 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 kick them in the head a couple times and win the fight.
0: So how did you go from that? To, did you go from that to kickboxing, or did you go right into MMA? Like when did you when did you start training MMA?
1: So, so I did. I did karate, and then I got my black belt in karate. What kind? Um, American freestyle. And then so I think around 18 or 19, I was kind of just exploring, doing a couple different things. So I did wushu for a couple of years, and I competed in wushu. And then I did a little bit of kempo, and, um, and then kind of dabbled a little bit into um, kickboxing. And uh, so it, it, it all kind of just happened pretty strangely I was in college I was working at Hooters and I was doing the all these like little side jobs um like fo- doing photo shoots for this and that and um I was a ring girl for an MMA show I had never seen MMA and I remember uh just walking around the cage and thinking man I want to be like on the inside I that one, that looks cool I think I could do it because it was mixed martial arts you know and I remember talking to a promoter, and he kind of laughed me off and was just like, whatever, you know, you're a ring girl. And um, it, it was a smaller sh- local show. Donald Cerrone was actually fighting on that show, and he wow. overheard me. Yeah. And so he came to my work at Hooters, and I wasn't there, and he was just like, left me a note. If you're serious about fighting, get your ass in the gym.
0: Wow. And then, and um, where was this? This is in Colorado? In Colorado,
1: hmm and then i so i went to go train i went to go train with with donald and you know we we gym hopped from place to place i trained with um with Dwayne. i trained um with trevor i trained with with all, with all the guys wow and um <clears throat> and so i took a couple smokers we'd drive you know drive around the region and, and took a couple smokers and then um it was like at that point when i was still in college and um I just was not happy in college. I I was kind of wandering around aimlessly. It was really successful in high school, and uh, you know, I, um, it just didn't transfer over to college. I I still I got good grades. I was three point eight. You know, I was going to DU,
0: but I wasn't happy.
1: I just I there was something missing, and it was. It was the martial arts. It was, it was a big part of my life. And you
0: needed a real challenge. You needed yeah. something physical, too, probably, right. Yeah. I would imagine that someone growing up doing martial arts as long as you did, you like the, the thrill of using your body and moving around, it's like that, it's so important. Like once, once you do that and you compete and it becomes a part of you, the idea of like sitting in a classroom all day and then eventually sitting in a job all day was probably not, not that compelling.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think that um, I just yeah, it was losing myself. What were you going myself. to school for? I was going to school, so I was double majoring in theater and um, sports science. Mm. So I was majoring in theater because I got a scholarship for it, and I was doing sports science. I wanted to be like physical therapist for um, like a sports team or something like that, mm-hmm. or even a martial arts team. But uh, yeah, so I, I decided to take a, like a little bit like a break from that, and my mom. My grandma was sick in Thailand, so then I was like, I told my mom I'd just go with her for the summer, and I went to visit my grandma in Thailand, and while I was out there, I um, I went to Sit Yatong uh, Muay Thai camp, and I absolutely fell in love with it. Mm. They made fun of me because of my, my karate kicks.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how how different— Karate kicks are yeah, Thai kicks
1: yeah, and they were looking at me like I was crazy, but I was like, "But no, I'm a black belt. i it's just like, I know what I'm doing." They're just laughing at me. We're training on concrete outside, and these little five-year-old kids are doing ten-year-old ten-minute rounds, and um, my feet are blistering up from mm-hmm. kicking over and over and over on the concrete. But I loved it. I fell in love with it. It kicked my butt, and I fell in love with it. And I came back, and I dropped out of college, and I decided to pursue fighting
0: wow so where did you learn grappling
1: it's so so my first mma fight was kind of just it was supposed to be an amateur fight and um like i said i was training with um with donald and he was training at a school in vale and so i would i would go to i would um i would Work on the weekends and then drive up to Vail and train <coughs> uh, my grappling and all of it, like the, like all of the MMA. And so...
0: So you basically trained MMA together. Like uh-huh. you didn't take specific grappling classes, but I would imagine that that was the thing that you needed to concentrate on the most, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I figured, okay, so my, my, my pro day or it, wasn't, it was supposed to be amateur, but the girl that I was supposed to fight fell through. And um, the only girl that they had available was already pro. She was like two and zero pro, and of course you know how Donald is. He's like, whatever, fuck it, just do it.
0: <laughs> and so <laughs> that's a good Donald accent.
1: <laughs> so I was like, all right. I mean, we've been training, so I, I literally had four weeks in my in my like throughout my my karate career. We would have grappling nights when we would do grappling, but it wasn't anything like substantial. So yeah, four weeks of of Grappling training, and I figured, okay, you know, I'll just use my stand-up to to win the fight. And she was swinging from from way back here and trying to take my head off. So I ended up taking her down. I ended up taking her down like six or seven times and, wow. and, and winning the fight by taking her down and ground and pounding.
0: <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. Did you, did you say while you were doing it, like, wow, this is so weird that I'm doing this?
1: It was I, I wasn't thinking at all. I was just in the moment, having the time of my life.
0: Were you thinking that this was what you were going to wind up doing, like professionally? <laughs> or <laughs> no, were you just thinking, I can't believe I'm doing this?
1: I, yeah, that's exactly what I was like. This is so much fun. Um, it was at the Broomfield Event Center. I don't know if it's that's still called the Broomfield Event Center in Colorado. but
0: Yeah, I think a bank owns it now or something. Yeah, or they always change names. Or, it was so much yeah, fun.
1: But never wild. in my life I thought I, w- I would be.
0: A, a top UFC contender. Never. And on your way, your goal is to be the first mommy, yeah, to ever win a title. Yeah, that's possible.
1: A hundred percent.
0: You're in the you're in the hunt right now. Like, what are you ranked?
1: I'm ranked seventh.
0: Mm.
1: Seventh, but I don't think the rankings are anything. They're weird. They're weird.
0: Yeah, there's like sometimes someone will beat somebody, and then that person's still ahead of them in the ranking. I'm like, explain that.
1: I just I don't understand the rankings at all. I feel like. I've I've won my last three fights and I've gone down in rankings. Um, What? Joanna hasn't fought and she's gone down in rankings. Um, And some of the girls haven't fought and they've gone up in rankings. Uh, I just think the rankings are crazy.
0: Yeah, well, it's a bunch of people get to submit their positions, right? Mm-hmm. Like a bunch of journalists and uh, accepted experts on MMA get I to. I have no
1: idea. How, yeah. I, I I guess when I look at the rankings, sometimes I feel like it it shifts depending on who they're trying to push, or mm. you know, just sometimes I feel like just storyline kind of can dictate. Yeah, the, the rankings.
0: You know, obviously I'm a giant fan of the UFC. I love them to death. I'm so happy and. I just I, I would do nothing for any other organization. I'd never want to work for another organization. Yes. But I don't like the way they do things. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that I don't like. Mm-hmm. They, just, they just cut Elias Theodoro. Really? Yeah. One loss. Derek Brunson. That's Bronson scary. Cut. I'm like, what?
1: They cut Derek Benson? No, no. no, no. He, he, he lost to Derek okay, Brunson. I was like, what? They, that's <clears> he
0: just won. <laughs> I'm like, explain that. How do you explain that one? That one doesn't make any sense. There's like <sighs> some matchups don't make any sense. Interim title shots. Those are preposterous. It's crazy. Yeah, I
1: mean, I understand it's it's a machine and it has to work, and they're they're trying, but it's just it um, especially for like a fighter whose life depends on, yeah, the fights, and you know your livelihood depends on that, and for it to, you just to be out, yeah, it's stressful enough to only fight a couple times a year because you have to divvy up that that purse money throughout those times, you know. But
0: yeah, well. I think people like you are very important for women's MMA because you seem so normal. You know what I mean? Like, there's some women, you talk to them, you're like, well, this girl's fucking crazy. No wonder why she's a fighter. You know what I mean? Like, there's some girls are real aggressive or just bad. Like, you talk to Amanda Nunes. You're like, I get it. Yeah? Yeah. She should be a fighter. Really? Shab. She's cool. She's so cool. Yeah. She's so cool. But- that's a badass bitch. Yeah. You know what I mean? She'll fuck people up. You could tell. For sure. You could t- just d- looking at her, mm-hmm. you know, like the way she's built, she's wide. You could tell she's got power. And mm-hmm. you know, she l- looks like a girl you would not want to fuck with. Josh you, called
1: it. Josh called it. He said he'd f- he that she'd knock out Cyborg.
0: That was crazy. That was crazy. That that was, I didn't, I, I didn't think that she couldn't knock her out. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think she could knock out anyone. I mean, yeah. I, I think she could knock, I think Amanda Nunes can knock out a lot of guys. <sighs> <clears throat> she hits so hard, yeah. But I thought that there would be a big weight disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Cyborg has a tremendous experience advantage, and she's never shown herself to be someone that gets hurt, yeah. Like even when she fought Jorina Barge, did you ever see that fight in Lion Fight? <laughs>
1: I remember seeing highlights of it because she's just like stuck in the on the ropes.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Jorina is a elite kickboxer, mm-hmm. and. Cyborg got dropped And kept coming I mean Mm -hmm. she was Pursuing her In the final rounds Yeah I mean she was Chasing after She lost the decision But she gained a lot of fans Because she didn't have Any pro Muay Thai fights And she fought a woman Who like She couldn't get a fight For almost three years Because girls were Ducking her Yeah Because they didn't Want to fight her
1: Muay Thai's brutal I feel like (laughs) Because my husband and I talk about this all the time because in MMA you have options mm-hmm. like if you're having if you're having trouble in the stand-up you can take them down you can work your grappling this or that in boxing you don't really have much options either you you give up you get knocked out or you give up you know in mm-hmm. the corner and I feel it's the same way in M- in Muay Thai except for now you're introducing knees and shins and elbows, elbows yeah, and like sure. those cut mm-hmm. and you have no way out like yeah you know so that's that's brutal
0: yeah it's a rough sport and An incredibly exciting sport to watch. And one that I've never understood. I mean, boxing is so gigantic in this country. And Muay Thai has almost no presence. And I've just... It baffles me to no end. I mean, they they have the product. I mean, and they have great American fighters. I mean, like Joe Schilling, and Kevin Ross, and there's there's a a ton of them. And there's guys like John Wayne Parr from Australia and all these guys that are exciting to watch and fun. And and then there's so many elite kids that are coming up, Mm -hmm. but there's no mainstream appeal. It doesn't, I don't understand. I
1: don't know why either. That is crazy to think.
0: They need a thing like the UFC, mm-hmm. where something comes along and they dump a, a ton of money into it. But the thing is, like, there's only people only have so much time to watch things. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, Deontay Wilder's fighting, I'll watch that. Oh, you know, uh, Tyron Woodley's fighting, I'll watch him. Yeah. you know, oh, John Jones is fighting, I'll watch that. What's this Muay Thai? Ah, this fight's on. I'm going to watch Bellator instead. I'm going to watch that instead. It's, like there's, it's almost like too saturated.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: But it's, it's a shame.
1: It'd be cool if they had like a card with all different types of, of fighting on well, that's
0: there. what one does. Mm-hmm. You know, that's in what,
1: all in the same night.
0: Yes. One FC does that. Mm-hmm. They'll have kickboxing, Muay Thai, and MMA in one night. Is it and confusing? Have, no. No, they let everybody know. You uh-huh. know, this is what they're doing. I think one is doing fantastic. They're, yeah. they're, they're, doing, they're, they're putting on amazing fights. I mean, and we've seen that these are like legitimately world-class fighters. They're beating guys like, they, you know, um, Timothy Natsukin just beat Eddie Alvarez. Yeah. Knocked him out. And, that was crazy. Yeah. And they're, they're also, they cut out all the weight cutting. There's no weight cutting uh-huh. over there. So like when Sage Northcutt fought uh, Cosmo Alexandre, uh-huh. he's, he fought him at 185 pounds. Because that's really what he walks around yeah. at. You know, so there's no weight cutting over there.
1: That was a brutal hit that he got caught with. Crazy. I'm I'm glad that he's okay, but yeah, he's okay. Louise. But
0: yeah, his, his face has had eight fractures. Do
1: that, you think it's better for him to cut down?
0: It's a good question. Because it's a very good question.
1: Because I mean, if, if he's getting knocked out by that, I'm wondering if maybe he should be walking around lighter, or if I don't know, because well, he's pretty lean already.
0: He's lean, but that's that fight played out realistically like not not that it's better for him or worse for him mm-hmm. but sage is a young guy he's 21 or 22 years old mm-hmm. he's got a limited amount of world class muay thai experience he fought cosmo who was a multiple time world champion yeah and it's just a bad fight Why
1: Why Why did they? Why would they set that up If they're trying to build them
0: It's easy to, Like I, I've said that too And people are like Oh it's easy to say After the fact You're right But <clears throat> If I was in Sage's corner I'd go hey bro mm-hmm. There's a lot of fights We should take
1: And that was a Muay this Thai an, fight
0: No It was, it was an oh, MMA, was it MMA fight It was an MMA fight Okay But Sage is not a wrestler Yeah I mean he has taken guys down before But I would absolutely say that's the game plan. The game plan is tie this guy up and mm-hmm. drag him to the ground. Don't don't be standing with this dude.
1: I just feel like if you if you have a background in something, in in stressful situations, you always revert back to mm-hmm. what you know.
0: Sure.
2: Yeah. And so
1: even if he did work his wrestling, he's going to revert back to his you know right. really happy movie mm-hmm. stance and and that that's that's what it looked like. What happened? He was kind of pulling out, hopping back, and mm-hmm. got caught.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, he was trying that sideways karate-style stance, Mm -hmm. you know, Cosmo's just super elite. And you saw, if you saw the fight, he fainted a couple times with the left. He he set him up, like, with the switch a couple times, Mm -hmm. and then as Sage circled off, he he went to his right and cracked him. But that guy's just a super elite fighter. I mean, when it comes to striking, I feel like that is where being elite is the most dangerous for an opponent, You know, uh, I feel like if someone, if you fight an elite jujitsu guy and he catches you and he submits you, Mm -hmm. you live another day. You know, like Neil Magny and Damian Maya. We found out. Mm -hmm. You know, Damian gets him to the ground and and just strangles him. Right. Yeah. But that's he'll be all right. Mm -hmm. If you get KO'd by an elite striker, who knows what kind of damage happens to you you know when when his face got broken he's had eight fractures in his face his cheek his orbital like they had to piece him back together again did his orbital
1: detach do you know
0: i don't know i don't know the extent of the injuries he he posted up some images though did you see the images Mm -hmm. of the x-rays it's like whoa like this is this is horrible
1: yeah i mean so so that's how i feel against um Jitsu people when they mm-hmm. submit me i'm like oh, okay like let's do it again you know yeah but
0: exactly then,
1: well what about andrage and, and rose i was, that scared. was crazy
0: yeah
1: i was scared for rose
0: it was a really bad landing landing on her neck like that was terrifying
1: that's what scared me just because we were in brazil too and that crowd was crazy
0: mm-hmm.
1: and everybody shot up and started screaming and rose was just like laid out on the canvas yeah. and i kind of was just like wanting her corner to be in there with her because she was just all alone by herself right you know and i was worried that she wasn't going to get up i was like hey you guys like wait to cheer until we see she's okay because that can
0: parallel someone 100 percent. yeah and you, if you look at the impact have you seen the photograph of the landing itself mm-hmm. i mean it's it's one of the worst ways you could ever land she's yeah. essentially head first with the neck sideways and um
1: flattened yeah
0: and her neck is space yeah it's like someone was cranking on her neck it's Mm -hmm. horrible
2: yeah
0: that's a bad landing i mean the whole thing was bad she's going for the kimura um jessica picks her up she doesn't lace a leg and she holds on to the kimura which you you just can't do Mm -hmm. you just can't do you got to let it go you know but she she's she's held on to things before and you know and caught arm bars and triangles and it's one of those things, you know. You you make a mistake.
1: So, because I know people were talking about it being illegal to slam somebody like that.
0: She didn't do it on purpose. She yeah. just tried to slam her. Uh-huh. I mean, she's just trying to take, lift her up and dump her down. I mean, the the illegal slamming is like when Minotaro fought Bob Sapp. Do you remember that? Nope. Minotaro fought Bob Sapp, and Bob Sapp literally got him in a pile driver mm-hmm. where he scooped. And Bob Sapp was three hundred and seventy pounds Jeez. with abs and on. <laughs> Everything that Mexico has to offer. Every steroid that was available, Bob Sapp was on. They said that he used to travel with like a briefcase oh filled gosh. with roids. Like, it just, I mean, he was a goddamn science project at yeah. one point. It was fascinating to watch, right? Because I, I think to this day, that was probably one of the greatest victories in all of MMA. Mm-hmm. Minotauro, who was, he was outweighed by a good solid 130, 140 pounds. Like legitimately. Mm-hmm and still got an arm bar off of Bob Sapp. Yeah. Jamie, you got it? Yeah, watch this. So look at the size difference. First of all, just see the beginning of the fight. Oh. See, So he shoots, he shoots, but look at the size difference when you see them come out. It is so crazy. Bob Sapp was so big, but look at this. <gasps> Boom. So that, now Minotaro's neck was fucked up from that forever. Like that haunted him his entire career. Watch this. <gasps> Boom. Oh, yep. no. Yep. See, he tucks his head a little bit at the last second so he doesn't catch it on the top of the head. But all of his weight, all of Bob oh, Sapp's no. weight. Look at that. Well, I don't even think he tucked it. I think it just and gave he's in. still going? <coughs> he kept going and he fucking submitted him. Minotauro was one of the <gasps> toughest guys that's ever walked the face of the planet. Look at this. He scoots out. He escapes and gets on top of this him. This
1: is crazy. Yeah.
0: Well, look at the size there are difference. Like three
1: different, four, five different weight
0: classes. <laughs> I mean, he, Bob was so big, and he's probably on EPO oh and my fucking everything. And look, look at that, just windmilling with his legs. He was, and he was trained by Maurice Smith. You know, Maurice was training him, so he was a legitimate, uh, you know, a legitimately trained athlete. And he was so big.
1: So these were. This is back in the day when there was like ten minute rounds.
0: Mm-hmm. Ten minute first round. So Minotaur, I, th- I believe it went into the second round though. I want to say.
1: why Oh my gosh! I don't
0: remember entirely whether it went into the second round, but I want to say it did. Ay- yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, he beat Ernesto Hoost twice in kickboxing matches. <gasps> But it also goes to show you how hard Krokop punches because Krokop flattened him with one punch. Uh-huh. Cro-Cop uh, broke his orbital bone with a straight left. So yeah. Minotaro eventually gets him on his back. And then once he gets him on his back, because Bob Sapp, like you can only keep 375 pounds going for so yeah. long. I mean, he's just completely exhausted. No matter so how is, many
1: steroids you do.
0: Yeah. So this is the end. He ties up his arm. And catches him in an arm bar and bobshap taps. And I was at my friend, oh fuck, whose house was I at? But I was with Eddie Bravo when we saw this and we were screaming. <gasps> we couldn't believe it. We couldn't believe it. Because it was like a victory for.
1: That is amazing. It was a victory Good for, for
0: technique, you know? Yes. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. it was. It was a victory for jujitsu. It was a victory for technique over brawn. It was a perfect example of technique over brawn. Yeah. Not that Minotaur doesn't have brawn and not that Bob Sapp doesn't have technique. Absolutely. But if they were the same size, Minotaur would have fucked him up. It For been a, sure. It would have been an yeah. easy fight for him.
1: He just whether the Storm yeah. and wasn't scared to, to be in there with them.
0: Yeah. Fedor wouldn't fight him. Fedor said, fuck that. They yeah. offered Fedor a fight with Bob Sapp. He's like, no, nah, uh-huh. I'm good. And I mean, he fought Hongman Man Choi when Hongman Choi was like seven feet tall. You remember that fight? Caught him in a, it was one of the most ridiculous arm bars ever. He caught him in an arm bar, and the arm is as long as this fucking table. <laughs> it was so crazy.
1: <laughs> he had to stretch his arms like this. It was
0: that was a, a ridiculous arm bar. It was a ridiculous arm bar. <laughs>
1: that's crazy. But you'll never see any fights like that happen. Not
0: nowadays. anymore. Well, I still think someone someone might do it. Yeah, Ryzen could do it. They still do fucked up things with Gabby Garcia. Yeah, seen that's that. crazy. Gabby Garcia's a science project and a half. That's that,
1: that's crazy. What is
0: that? I think What's has, has she there? been beaten? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Yeah. How are they going to find someone? A woman who's 240 pounds?
1: They're not. She's
0: 240 well, but- <laughs> pounds, jacked, and she's a legit black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah, and she's you know. She's legitimately I, tough.
1: I thought I saw a video of her um, grappling with uh, Mackenzie Duran, and Mackenzie, like, almost... Mackenzie beat her. Oh, d- oh, did she? I think Mackenzie See? beat her in a
0: jiu-jitsu match. In See? a jiu-jitsu match. But yeah. in MMA, I don't think anybody's beating her.
2: Yeah.
0: I think Mackenzie either beat her or draw, had a draw, one an advantage, something like that. But, look, it is what it is. That's science. Okay, you're, you're, Two, you're doing you some stuff. You're doing some stuff to people that's not... It, your body's not supposed to have that in there, lady. It's not. You know, I mean, LNU. it's it's interesting because like like the Bob Sapp thing, like you get to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, okay, this is what's when someone just goes for it. Yeah, and when uh, Pride Ensign Inouye, was on the podcast, and he <laughs> Ensign's hilarious. He was detailing the contract. He was like, "It said in all capital yeah. letters, we will not test you for steroids." Yeah, they were like. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's what Joey would tell me all the time. Joey V. he's been in my sure. corner for the last couple of fights.
0: Joey's an excellent fighter, and
1: he he would say that he said it, it almost. They almost um, encouraged you. encouraged it. Not yeah. almost. They basically did encourage it because they just wanted to see <coughs> crazy yeah. things that like came out of comic
0: books. Yeah, you know they wanted you to be jacked. Yeah, they wanted you to be gigantic. Yeah, yeah. I mean. As long as everybody's doing it, I guess...
1: I don't think... I would never... I wouldn't want to do that, even if I had the choice to do it.
0: I you wouldn't want to. I wouldn't right. want to. Right. I get it. Well, that makes sense. And that's why I think people like you are important for MMA. Because you are... A, you're a woman. Yeah. You seem like a woman. You behave like a woman. You look like a woman. If, if someone say, like, that girl's top 10 UFC fighter, you'd be like, what? hmm No way. Really? She's so normal. <laughs> like... But if you saw Gabby Garcia and you know that girl smashing people in Japan, you're like, I fucking believe it. Uh, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> I gotta get the fuck out of this room <laughs> Pushy she hulks out and yeah. starts to flatten me.
1: Yeah, no, I just like, I feel like it takes the um, the joy. It, I feel like it would take the joy out of a victory.
0: For if me. you did steroids, yeah, yeah. Well, you would become something different. The reality is a woman becomes something different when she starts taking male hormones. You, mm-hmm. you just do. You mm-hmm. become something different. Your tendons strengthen. Your bone structure changes. Your voice deepens. Mm-hmm. You become much more like a man. I mean, that's when you see transgender women, when, when a, a, a woman, rather, is a transgender man, she decides she wants to be a man. They start taking testosterone. They get beards. Mm-hmm. They have all sorts of uh, strange things happen down so below. They- <laughs> And they they start having a deeper voice and they sound like a man. Yeah. And then that's that's exactly what happens to a woman when a woman takes steroids if she's not trying to transition. It's the mm-hmm. same thing. Yeah. You're just taking male hormones that make your muscles grow far larger than they're supposed to.
1: Yeah. I I remember watching... A, a movie that they did in thailand is called beautiful boxer have yes, you seen that one yes yeah. but it's the opposite he, yes. he wanted to be a woman but i think he did it the right way right if there's a right way to do it because
0: well he, he started as a man and then became a woman and kept fighting men yes and that, i think that someone should have told her at the time like hey, let's just stop fighting <laughs> let's stop fighting or I, I this is my take on it like
1: but she needed to keep fighting so that she could pay for the, the her transitions yeah. right
0: Yeah, it's Catch-22, if there ever was one.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, but was was an elite fighter until the transition, and then you see the skills start to diminish because there's no more testosterone
2: Mm
0: -hmm. when she's fighting men. But if she was fighting women, she would have a giant advantage still over women, and I don't think that's right either. I
1: don't think that's fair either.
0: No one does. Mm -hmm. No one does except transgender people. Transgender Mm -hmm. people and super progressive activists who have no idea how sports work. It's yeah. a, it's those are the people, the people that just want inclusiveness and they just want everyone to be okay and you know maybe this is the world I'm looking for. I'm look, I'm looking towards a world where everyone's included. <coughs> yeah, good. Have a transgender league. Have a transgender division. No, I'm cool with that. I'll be happy, happily support them. But you're pretending that that's a woman. And mm-hmm. it's not. It's a male who's transitioning to a woman. You have an XY chromosome. It's a different thing. Yeah. You know, I, I'm 100%. If a woman says, I want to fight a transgender woman, okay. I'm that 100 That's fine. Yeah. But, like, for leagues to recognize that this is the same thing mm-hmm. and, like, to say, like, how would you feel if all of the UFC's weight classes in the women's division were dominated by transgender women?
1: I would feel like th- there were some. <laughs> i feel like i should not say something right 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 yeah <laughs> i feel yeah. like i'm gonna get caught up saying something uh, yeah that let me talk
0: for say. you it's fucking bullshit <laughs> it's fucking bullshit right yeah. yeah you don't have to say anything and that's how girls feel right now when there's sports being dominated in track and field yeah that's, that's not, how, fair. Mm-hmm. not fair it's
1: not fair i mean i as, it, i guess for me i've always been especially like being a female in a male dominant sport i've always i've I guess if I can like, like, like to consider myself a feminist, not not so much a feminist, but I, like when I go into the gym, I my teammates look at me as a fighter. Like they don't look at me as a female fighter or anything like that. They look at me as their teammate, you know what I mean? And, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that they tra- treat me as an athlete and, and, and all of that good stuff. But I feel like... Wh- like at the end of the day, like girls need to fight girls and guys need to fight guys. We like we have different strengths than the guys do. And the guys have different strengths than the girls do. And and it's, it's nice for us to have a place so that we can showcase our skills.
0: Yes, I agree. I think the only problem that I have with that transitioning thing is physical competition. That's it. Physical competition against the gender that you supposedly align with. Yeah. You know, you, you can't do it. But here's what you don't see. Here's what you don't see. You don't see a lot of transgender men who want to fight men. You don't see a lot of women who are taking hormones uh, to become a man who want to fight men. Men. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good fucking luck with that, ladies. Yeah. Good luck. Stop. This is crazy. Like this idea that you just magically become a woman or you just magically become a man. It's just not true. Mm -hmm. And athletes recognize it and rational people recognize it. But there's so much pushback from progressive people who it's like. What percentage of the population are we even talking about here? I mean it's, yeah. it's not even 1%. It's it's a very strange thing that it's it's taking over the conversation mm-hmm. with bathrooms and competition and sports and so many different things. I'm all for inclusiveness and I'm all for being open-minded and letting yeah. letting people do you do, be yeah, let whatever them you be want themselves. to do. Mm-hmm. Be yourself. Be whatever yourself is. I don't know what yourself is. <laughs> I don't know what you feel, but you can't compete against women. That's it's that simple. It's really yeah. that simple. It has
1: it, it has to be something deeper where they, you know, it, it and to me I think it goes back to like that mental like a mental block where you where you need some like a false sense of confidence yes i feel like
0: well it's like sandbagging mm-hmm. it yeah, really is mm-hmm. it really it is the ultimate sandbagging yeah, the- <laughs> it's like oh i'm a woman like wait a minute where the fuck did you get those hands you know <laughs> that's it's it really like the ultimate form of sand- i mean everybody if you, for folks who don't know what sandbagging is oh i was going to bring up smokers too for folks who don't know what smokers is if you listen to this podcast the so smoker is small amateur fights that they have in gyms uh or little arenas or high school gyms and stuff mm-hmm. like that but um Uh, sandbagging is like say if Michelle had a black belt in jujitsu and then entered into a judo tournament as a white belt Mm -hmm. and then just fucking flying armbar to everybody (laughs) they'd be like what the hell is this where'd you get your white belt like how do you have a white belt but we've all seen things like that before everyone has seen things like that before there's people that pretend they're uh, younger than they really are they pretend they're lighter than they really are they pretend they because they want to win This is no different. Mm -hmm. It's no different. It really is. Mm -hmm. And the people who don't understand it, they have never competed in high-level athletics. It's really that simple. If you've competed in high-level athletics, you know that there's a differentiation. There's a difference between men and women. There's a reason why we have a man's division and a women's division. It's Mm -hmm. not that anybody's better or worse. It's just like there's unfair advantages. like. The Bob Sapp, Minotauro thing, that was an unfair advantage. It's just overcome by someone who has superior skill and an iron will. Mm-hmm. And that's what Minotauro was when he beat Bob Sap. I mean, there's no denying that one guy was way bigger and way stronger. But it was overcome. You shouldn't force people to overcome. Yeah. It should be even. If they were even, if Minotauro and Bob Sapp were even, here's the fight. Shoot, takedown. Dang, on his back, armbar, bang. Fight's over. Mm-hmm. It would be like a couple minutes maximum and Minotaur would have armbarred him.
1: Yeah. Well, you think it's because people like to see the the mismatch and maybe like that underdog story where the person that is, you know, the underdog comes Wins. and becomes
0: yeah. victorious? Like Minotaur. But uh-huh. like, again, Minotaur's neck is still fucked up to this day. Mm-hmm. You know, his neck bothered him his entire career from that one from pile that driver. Mm-hmm. 375 pounds plus Jeez. his weight all on his neck. It just shows you how fucking tough that guy is. You know the Minotaro story? He was run over by a truck when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. That's why he has this giant scar on his back. Like yep. He was in a hospital for like a year. He's a, the guy's an animal. I mean, he's as tough yeah, he's as like, they come. Yeah, he's like, I got
1: hit by a truck. You're not going to do nothing <laughs> to me.
0: <laughs> you can't force everyone to be that tough. You know, I think it's important to have fairness. And this. this is why I'm so pro-USADA. I love what they're doing. I mm-hmm. love the fact that they're testing the shit out of people. They're just showing up at people's houses at 6 o'clock in the morning. Yep. Hey, wake up. Time yeah. for a test.
1: and But is it the same in, in every country?
0: Um, that's a good question. It's a very good question. Mm-hmm. Right? If someone's training in Russia or Germany or mm-hmm. wherever. Yeah. That's a very good question. Mm-hmm. I do not know the answer to that.
1: Because I know that's kind of one of the concerns for some of the athletes. That, yeah, it might be really strict here mm-hmm. in the States. But in, in other states, right. is it as strict? You know? Right.
0: Because it is U.S. anti-doping agency. That's mm-hmm. USADA. Yeah. yeah. That's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, well, so what do you think? You don't think it is? <laughs> I don't know. I'll talk for you. <laughs> if there's something <laughs> fucked up, you need to say, just go like this.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Um, I guess I just, I, I can only be concerned with what's under my control. And right. So then I'm, I'm just gonna train and I'm gonna get as good as I can get and hopefully you know, Usada can can take care of the rest. But for me to stress about it is 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 just time wasted i think for myself
0: well i do know of a case where there was a fighter who told me that there was a guy who was openly dirty as far as what everybody knew mm-hmm. and he knew that he was gonna piss hot so he went and did some seminars in another country oh. and just stayed over in another country for just moved around it's like, like so you see this world-class fighter in these weird little gyms and mm-hmm. everyone's was like what is going on over there and the gentleman who told me said, listen, man, he's, he's docking drug tests. Yeah. That's what he's doing over there. That's crazy. Yeah. Look, for sure. Like when you, when a guy kind of like TJ Dillashaw gets popped and you're like, wow, TJ for a world title, he's getting popped. Like how many people are getting away with this? That's, how many people got away with this? It's just
1: not worth it. He lost a lot doing that. What he did. Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's not worth it. It's not worth it.
0: Ultimately, it's definitely not worth it because his legacy tainted. But if you got away with it, is it worth it? I mean, how many people got away with it? Here's the question. How many people retired and we never got to see their drug test from 2006, mm-hmm. 2008? Like, what were you taking? What mm-hmm. were you on? Like, back when they used to have those silly wait, uh, drug tests mm-hmm. where they would test you at the weigh-ins, <laughs> which is basically like an intelligence test. Like, yeah. hey, you still taking steroids? <laughs> <laughs> or did you stop a couple of weeks ago? And the the testing today is so much more sophisticated. That's why people are getting popped for EPO and a bunch of things that were hard to hard to find. Yeah, the the thresholds. Like this is the John Jones thing with the picograms. Mm-hmm. What well, the the t- the Insignificant amount In terms of like The performance enhancing Aspect of it That is in his system Like how can they Detect that Well they can detect that Because the machines Are way more sophisticated The drug testing Is way Like he. If he had tested If John Jones had tested Two years ago He would have tested clean Yeah But now it's just, they're just way better. Even something, yeah. even if you're taking creatine and that creatine is tainted, which is a lot of what these guys, Tim Means, that was Mm -hmm. his deal. He was taking a supplement that was tainted. Quite a few guys have legitimately just taken over the counter supplements that they thought were clean. And they got something, just some tiny, that doesn't have any effect on their performance. Mm -hmm. But it shows up, and it'll show up for months and weeks, and in John's case, like years. Mm -hmm. It's been showing up for like a year and a half. It comes on and off. Yeah. And when you're cutting weight, that's when it seems to come back. That's when it seems to show because you're your body, the water's gone. Mm-hmm, you're losing fat. You're losing you're losing body weight. Some of it's stored in fat. They think mm-hmm. it's very confusing for them. They're they're trying to figure it all out. Mm-hmm. And then all these fucking people online are ranting and raving about picograms and this and like the, the science experts and they think it's they think it's all bullshit. That John's allowed to fight. He should be banned for life. And yeah. like okay, you don't you're not listening. Like he tested negative and then he tested positive a week later. And then he tested negative a week after that. Like, what's happening here? Something yeah. weird's happening. They're
1: still figuring it out for themselves.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm glad they're figuring it out. Because now people get to see, like, hey, look, John Jones was out for all that time for other problems and then for the drug problems. Yeah. Like, this is a lot of money that guy lost. John probably lost oh, yeah, yeah. tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. You know, But he's
1: still young. Yeah. He's still young and he's still, you know, and hasn't hit his prime yet, I don't think.
0: No. I think also... The, all that knowing that it can all be taken away from you mm-hmm. probably met, like tempered him yeah like put him in a better place where he realized like i still have this gift mm-hmm. of incredible talent i mean he's just a natural born fighter for sure he just knows how to fight some guys they have all the technique all the talent but they don't know how to put it together mm-hmm. john knows how to put it together
1: yeah he's just he just that's his that's his jam. He just goes out there and he can. He just does things on the fly that nobody would ever think of, yeah. and it works.
0: Yeah, he tries it's crazy. things out. It's
1: crazy to watch him train because he's just super lasered in and focused. And there's nothing. You know, there could be the building could be getting bombed, and it wouldn't matter. He'd just be on the bag working on mm-hmm. his technique. Yeah, yeah I really, believe it. It's really cool to watch.
0: Yeah. Well, he's he's the outlier, right? I mean, there's a, there's special fighters. There are outliers in in the sport, and for, for Our era, it was like Anderson Silva, Mighty Mouse, John Jones. Yeah. Those are the real outliers where you just watch me just go, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Like Anderson, when he was in his prime, you would watch him and you would watch him set guys up and it's... He just—it's almost like he had cheat codes. Like he could just see what they were doing. He was just like, "Oh, I do this, and you do that. (laughs) I do this, and you do that. Okay, well, I am going to do this, and I know you are going to do that." And pop, there it goes. Yeah. And he would just figure guys out. Mm -hmm. It was wonderful to watch, though. I feel like he
1: opened up, opened up like a door for all of the rest of us fight. I feel like with any good fighter, when you watch them fight, it opens up a door in your own mind. Like, oh, like that's possible. I can do that, and so. I feel like with Anderson Silva did, did that a lot with his movement, with his head movement, with his variety of, of punches and kicks and the angles at which they came in from,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and I don't know. I feel like Anderson Silva did. That. I feel like Ronda did that with her judo. I feel like Machida did that with his karate. Um, and then, you know, I, 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 I can go down the list of, yeah. of, of everybody, but I feel like it kind of like goes in cycles, mm-hmm. you know, and um. I mean it's great for me cuz I can watch them and I can implement new things. I feel like that's why I've been able to be in the game for so long and and still continue to grow and evolve because I get to watch other people and the things that they do and like add that to my to my tool list, you know.
0: Yeah, it changes the expectation of what's possible, right? Mm-hmm. I think with Mighty Mouse that was one of the best examples of that because when I would watch Mighty Mouse fight, I would be like, "Show me someone who's better." Mm-hmm. Someone, show, show me someone who's ever been better than this guy. Yeah. Like I've never seen anybody move better than this guy. Like he doesn't get hit, or if he gets hit, he, it's rare. Like every three or four fights, someone catches him. Like John Moraga caught him with a good straight punch. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's like that was the last I remembered.
1: I'd like to see him run it back with Cejudo, for I for sure.
0: I would too. You know, that was it's such a, a close, close fight. fight and very close fight.
1: And he kind of it's so. It blew my mind how, like, nonchalant he was about it all. Like, yeah. at the end, he's like, yeah, let's, whatever.
0: <laughs> but care. that's him. DJ's just a special guy. Yeah. And he's another one's like, couldn't be a nicer guy. Yeah. Like, if you didn't know that he was uh, one of the best fighters that's ever walked the face of the planet, you would go, oh, this friendly guy. He mm-hmm. seems, he's so nice and normal. He talks like he's articulate. He doesn't talk like a mean person. He's, it's just, it's a great... It's a great example of, uh, like, something that's contrary to the stereotypes that people think of when they think of cage fighters. Yeah. You know, someone is fighting, which is a weird word, right? Like cage, like... (laughs) Do do you do do, cage fighting? You do
1: that stuff? Yeah, like, you're a cage fighter? You do UFC?
0: Yeah. (laughs) You do UFC. (laughs) Yeah. That's if you're fighting for Bellator. People are like, what's that? Is that like UFC? (laughs) What is that? What's Bellator? Yeah, Times are fighting.
1: changing, though. It's great. I love the, the competition. I think that's great that there's more options out there for the fighters.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think it's very important. I think mm-hmm. it's very important. What's interesting, too, about this sport is that it's one of the only sports where you can go back from 1993 to 2019 and you could see massive evolution. Yeah. There's no other sport like that. If you go back and watch boxing from 93, you're watching great boxing, mm-hmm. world-class boxing. Like, you could take someone from 93 and put him into 2018, like... They would fit perfect, right? Yeah, you like think so, Roy Jones Jr.? Mm-hmm. Shit, <laughs> Roy Jones Jr. When he's in his prime today, everybody'd be fucked today. Yeah, that's true. They'd be fucked.
1: He I was just like, something
0: special. Bernard it's just Hopkins. like the
1: boxing mentality is like so old school, and you gotta stick to the traditions. Even it's it's kind of like taboo to to cease. St- like fighters switching stance which some of really? them like the good ones are I How's feel, it taboo? Josh like my husband he boxed you know and he has a lot he had a lot of old boxing coaches that were like you don't switch stance like you stick to your stance and you perfect that stance you know those and,
0: people are out of their fucking mind <laughs> <laughs> you've watched Terrence Crawford that's one of the things he does so brilliantly yeah he, he is as good as a southpaw as he is orthodox and it's one of the reasons why he's so difficult to solve yeah because if you think you got to read on his timing and then all of a sudden switch you're looking stance. at a right jab instead mm-hmm. of the left jab now like oh
1: shit maybe it's, maybe it's just that i watch mma and are more focused on mma than i am in boxing but
2: mm.
1: when i just from you know having my husband help me out and all this stuff he that's what he's saying is going to be the like the biggest evolution or what has started to evolve in boxing is that they are realizing okay you can use both sides now and that's going to trick them even more
0: well Marvin Hagler was amazing at that it Mm -hmm. was one of Marvin Hagler's best skills that he could fight Southpaw as well as he could fight Orthodox Mm -hmm. Hagler was one of the greatest fighters of all time you know and he was a champion in the 80s oh okay you don't know Marvin Hagler no how dare you (laughs) Michelle the karate hottie you don't know the marvelous one
1: I never even really watched boxing until I met my husband really yeah
0: that's crazy well he introduced you to something awesome
1: yeah yeah, it's so, a
0: good time right now to watch boxing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many good boxers.
1: Yeah, um, I think that's the one of the things that he wants me to really work on in order to to get my game to the next level is my boxing. You know, because my kicks are good, my wrestling's you know getting better, my jiu jitsu's good, and if as long if I can put together my punches, and we'll be okay, ready to get that belt.
0: K- karate is an interesting martial art too that you are really good at because you have this. Uh, you have an excellent ability to use that front leg that most people don't. They don't have like you have an awesome front leg side kick, great front leg roundhouse kick, and when you do that, I, I see that in your fight sometimes. People are like, "Oh, I gotta mm-hmm. adjust to this," because mm-hmm. like a jab, yeah, but but a jab that could fuck you up, like mm-hmm. a jab that can knock you out.
1: Yeah, I think I. I mean, I guess like owe that to my my point sparring days Like, Everybody was bigger than me. It didn't matter because it was by, by belts. Right. And so I was always a smaller one and trying to, trying to get the point off first, I would just use my, my front leg and kick it out there as fast as I could. Um, but I do, I feel like my, my, my kicks have blended to being, I've adopted them as jabs, you mm-hmm. know? So, yeah. Yeah. And. I love it I think it helps because then it kind of neutralizes the height difference.
0: do you train a lot with Winkle John I do Winkle John is uh, he was an excellent fighter a really good kickboxer and mm-hmm. it, really good at both styles too like leg kick style but also good at like he had karate techniques as well mm-hmm. he and he's also he was very good at those transitions between those straight kicks and punches. As well you know that's the thing Where a lot of people get confused It's like a a no man's land Between kicking and punching with Mm -hmm. people who are Kicking specialists Mm -hmm. and you see it Like even with elite fighters like Raymond Daniels as he was coming up in his kickboxing Career it took a while before He could make that smooth transition Between kicking and punching Mm -hmm. Because Raymond would be on the outside and he was A world class Top of the food chain karate point Fighter Yeah, and then got into kickboxing and as long as he was at a distance, he was fucking people up. But in the transition, the no man's land between mm-hmm. the kicking and the punching, he looked awkward. It yeah. took a while before he sort of – so some guys like Joseph Valtellini and Nikki Holtskin, they sort of exposed that that gap, the no man's land gap. Mm-hmm. That's a problem that a lot of kickers have. Yeah. They have that problem with the, the gap from the kicking to the punching.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think that's one of the things that I had to – that was – one of the things that I had to really work on. And I think because I enjoy grappling and jujitsu that I went straight from kicking to clench up grappling.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: kind of skipped the boxing <laughs> the boxing part of it. How
0: much boxing are you doing now?
1: Um quite a bit actually. Is that
0: your main focus? Yeah. yeah. Especially
1: off you know, off camp. We don't have any, you know, game plans to work on. We're working boxing and wrestling.
0: Now, when you say you work in boxing, are you just sparring, boxing, and hitting pads, boxing, or are you trying to implement that into MMA training?
1: Um, I would say both. We're not sparring. We're not sparring right now, boxing. Um, but I just would working s- on your hands. Working on the hands, working on the footwork. and then, So we'll just do strictly boxing, but then we'll do, like you're saying, the transitions. So kicks to boxing, mm-hmm. and boxing to kicks, and then boxing to takedowns.
0: Yeah, having things to do when you don't have to think, mm-hmm. right? Knowing exactly what to do. Oh, I'm in this position. There goes the knee. I'm mm-hmm. in this position now. I'm throwing a punch. When you see someone going Ugh, like, "I got to do this," uh, I got to think. Yeah, you know the the, the the those transitions. It's it's very it's a that when you're in higher pre- higher pressure situations, that's when those transitions are the most awkward. Mm-hmm. When you don't have like a conditioned response.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing that I've really been able to work on is is the blending of all of it Mm. i feel like so much of us so many of us we train specific boxing specific mm or kickboxing jiu-jitsu wrestling whatever but we never really blend it together and i think that's the most important part is well
0: that's why george was so great george Mm -hmm. st pierre was so amazing at transitions like you never knew what he was going to do He he was so unpredictable. He was going to punch you, or he was going to take you down. So everyone's worried about everything. You Mm -hmm. didn't know what was coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why I I always encourage fighters. Like, even if you're a really good striker, man, you gotta attempt takedowns. You gotta keep people honest, because otherwise, people are just going to settle in and never worry about your takedowns. And then they have an extra degree of comfort with their striking, Mm -hmm. and you can get caught with stuff you wouldn't get caught with otherwise.
1: Yeah, and there's just, I just feel like. In MMA, you have so many opportunities. Like, Why would you limit yourself from right. those opportunities? Like, yeah. I remember one of my fights. Um, I was fighting this girl who was like a 10-time boxer in MMA. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh, this girl's coming into my world. I'm going to show her what's up. But then, and I was beating her the whole first round, kicking her out, keeping her out with kicks, keeping her out with punches. And I remember going back to my corner and saying, man, this is, too easy like i'm you know i'm piecing this girl up and just just me saying that to myself i think something in my head switched but um i went back out and ended up i think what happened was i told myself okay you're piecing her up with what you know go out there and beat her at her own game
0: oh jesus (laughs) who (laughs) told Did you talk to your corner about that? No,
1: I told my, I think it was just like a mental, like, this is too easy. I'm going to make it challenging, more challenging on myself. I didn't tell my corner that. It was just like, you know how sometimes when you're in a fight, you have like a million thoughts that go through your mind in a split second. And I think that that was one of them. One of them. them. I'll show
0: this bitch what's up.
1: Yeah. And at her own game, which is stupid because it's MMA. So I stood in front of her and then she cracked me and then, and I saw stars and I stood in front of her and I didn't take her down and I was trying to you know, exchange with her and she cracked to me again. And, you know, I was waiting for her to stop so it could be my turn. <laughs> <laughs> and she never stopped. <laughs> and, and I got TKO'd, you know, but, um, I mean, lesson learned, but I was just so stubborn in, right. in you know, in my thoughts that I was like, oh, I'm going to beat her at her own game. What are you talking about? You're fighting MMA. Right. And I was so mad at myself after the fact, because, um, I just, I beat myself. I just beat myself when I went back out there.
0: Well, that's that old adage, you win or you learn. And Mm -hmm. you obviously, this is something that stills in your mind to this day. You learned. Yeah. But that's a part of what makes a champion. Like, that desire to show, I can beat you anywhere. Yeah. That, that crazy belief in yourself. Like, mm-hmm. oh, fuck this bitch up standing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that, that,
0: those thought processes are so crazy. they Because yeah. the, the, the reason why you get so good in the first place is because you love challenges. Yes. And you want to do this difficult thing. Yeah. So, you literally made it more difficult. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, I don't know why I would do that, but that is exactly why I continue to fight now. You know, mm-hmm. I I think I was nervous coming into the UFC because I was coming up from 105. You know, I was talking to my husband and just saying like, "What are we doing? Like, do you think I can make the jump up and still hang with these girls?" And
0: would would you be fighting at 105 if the UFC had a 105?
1: Um, I don't know. I guess it just it uh, it, it would depend. I think it would have to be worth it. Um, actually, just to make the cut. Yeah, I feel like my last couple of cuts at 105 were pretty brutal.
0: Like,
1: Mm. um, (laughs) your eyelashes were falling out.
0: Your eyelashes eyelashes were falling out. Yeah, like uh, I was so dehydrated
1: that my, like my, you know how your eyes sink in Mm -hmm. or in in Like I remember wiping, wiping my eye and just looking down and like a whole row of eyelashes were like on my, um, on my arm. And, um,
0: That's like when people get syphilis.
1: Teeth start falling out. Shit. I was I was sickly for sure. Like wow. Um, that you know they had to check your check your vitals after weigh-ins, and the doctor wouldn't release me because he couldn't find my heartbeat, like my my heartbeat, for like an hour.
0: He couldn't find your heartbeat because <laughs> mm-hmm. you were so dehydrated. Yeah. Whoa.
1: So, um, I just think that also that last cut was it was a st- like a. I did it too quickly. I think.
0: What do you I, walk around at? Um, like one
1: thirty 130 two, one thirty-four.
0: And when you make the cut down to one fifteen, how slowly do you do it?
1: I usually have about eight week fight camp, and so I do like pound, pound and a half, two pounds a week.
0: Yeah. So for you to get to one hundred five, yeah, don't do that. That sounds <laughs> that sounds crazy. Well,
1: back when the last time I fought at one hundred five, I was probably when I was fighting at one hundred five, I was probably walking around at like twenty-five.
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. still Mm -hmm. that's 20 pounds of weight for a hundred pound person that is 20 percent of your body weight yeah that's a significant amount to drain yourself i mean if you think about a welterweight losing 20 pounds it's a good cut Mm -hmm. but an atom weight person that's so much weight
1: i know i feel i feel so much healthier now i feel like when i'm in camp i can focus on training yeah, And having good energy You know, going at going 100% Rather than going 70% And then going to do more cardio So I, I absolutely feel like more healthier I feel like I've been able to put muscle on I feel like uh, I'm stronger And just happier, happier training
0: <laughs> Yeah, well you're seeing that from so many fighters And that's one of the reasons why I To go back to this 1FC thing I love what they're doing That they've eliminated weight cutting yeah. they, they do hydration tests on people They make sure you're not cutting any weight and I think the UFC is missing the boat. I, they want to test for steroids, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. 100% I'd support that. They should test hydration too. This weight cutting, weight cutting is nothing but it's just sanctioned cheating. That's all it is.
2: <laughs> I, is. Um, you're not
0: 115 pounds, right? But everybody is going to cut down to 115. And then you're probably going to go back up to like, what do you, f- when you fight, when you get into the cage, what do you think you weigh?
1: This last time I got back up to 128.
0: Yeah, see, that's what you really weigh. Mm-hmm. Like, why is everybody saying she's fighting at 115? She's not fighting at 115. Like, when you say Tyron Woodley fights at 170, no, he doesn't. <laughs> no, he weighs 170. You know, Kamaro Usman, he's not 170. Oh, he weighs 170 I th- for a very small time.
1: What, maybe it's just kind of like the old school mentality or just the, the idea of that being the last challenge that you go through before you step into the octagon that i enjoy and not Mm. that i enjoy it but again we're going back to challenges and it's like one of those things like all right like you know take yourself to this point and if you can get through that without breaking then me and you can go to battle right i don't know there's just something to that for me um
0: i see what you're saying so it's another challenge like you have a whole there's a series of challenges there's yes. the training there's the mental preparation and there's the weight cut mm-hmm. all these things to, are together
1: and and i feel like that's like the last step it's like you know it, it's a battle within yourself
0: is that the death star on your forearm what is that this, <laughs> this is <laughs> it looks like the death star does, from a really distance kind of. i was trying to figure it's, it out um,
1: it's an actual uh, uh, silhouette of oh, my husband and
0: I. Oh, oh, oh! That's so cool. So it's a circular silhouette with the mountains and mm-hmm. the trees. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. That's very unique.
1: Thank you. It Does kind of look like the Death Star,
0: though. <laughs> it, from a distance, I was like, "She have a fucking Star Wars game? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Actually, I don't remember the last time I've seen Star Wars, but yeah. Um, uh, so
0: the the weight cut though, the only problem with it is it's bad for you. Yeah, I mean I understand that. I
1: don't cut much. I probably cut. Good four pounds of water weight oh that's when great. i hit when i like when i show up fight week i'm probably like three like four or five pounds off
0: right but if you just ate normal wouldn't you be healthier like if if instead of getting down within four pounds of the weight like because you're going to go up to 128 the day you fight mm-hmm. right so that's that's an additional 13 pounds where's that coming from it's coming from somewhere
1: yeah right I, so you're I doing know, I something i understand the, th- the thought process that i talking to one of the the doctors about it my last fight because he was like so strange that you go through all of this just to be the same weight the next day
0: i know doctors are so smart
1: (laughs) and i I just looked at him like that is strange
0: it's fucking stupid is what it is it really is for for the sport yeah not you personally but it's what you have to do if you want to compete in the sport
1: i guess just because i've been doing it for so long it's just Mm -hmm. and in my head, it's like, you know, there are only a couple of things you have to do as a fighter. Cutting weight is one of them. If you right. can't do that, then, you know, it, it, it is hard. I, I feel it. I, it's a process that you have to go through and you have to be mentally prepared to go through it. And mm-hmm. if you do it right, it, it should only be water that you're cutting, even though that's silly to do. I don't know how. To, how it's, uh, it's silly to
0: do. Yeah. It's not good. It's yeah. never good to just cut that water. It's just not. It's mm-hmm. not good for you. But. If you do it, if you if you do it intelligently, where you're not cutting too much weight, it's yeah. not that bad. Yeah. But so many people are doing these brutal thirty pound weight cuts. I
1: just I feel like at that point it's it's not a benefit for you. Like some for some people they are the bigger person coming into the to the yacht to go on the next day, but you're going to reach a point certain point where cutting weight is not a benefit for you.
0: Maybe i <laughs> uh, you know that's. If you can do it and you pull it off, especially if you're young and you figure out how to do it correctly and replenish your electrolytes, you know it is an advantage to be mm-hmm. bigger. But the reality is, you're, what, whatever weight class that is, that's not what you weigh. Mm-hmm. You don't really weigh that much. You weigh you, it's like it's crazy. Like you should be, it should be about skill versus skill. Yeah, it shouldn't be about who's got the best scientists. I
1: agree. So, I mean, so what do you think? You think a drudge would still be a 115er? No chance. No chance? Not a fucking what about Juana?
0: In hell. No, no, no. She's bigger Juana's too. She big fucking girl. struggles. Yeah. She struggles for 115. Uh-huh. But then you've got Valentina. It's like, I think that weight class, it's, it's really interesting, right? When you're talking about weight classes, if you're talking about the difference between 105 pounds and 115 pounds, it might only be 10 pounds, but it's a giant percentage of your body weight. Yeah. And then you look at MMA in the men's division, and you have, you know, 155 and you have 170. You have that 15-pound gap. That's a big gap. Mm-hmm. It's a giant gap. Yeah. I think this should be every 10 pounds. Every 10 yeah. pounds for men. And for women, I think there's a real good argument that it should be every 5 pounds. But yeah. if Dana heard this, he, he would find <laughs> whatever hairs he's got left and start plucking them out And his head.
1: Tell Rogan to shut the fuck up. Plucking his he eye- eyebrow hairs. He
0: doesn't even like the idea of a 165. I'm like, God damn, I- that's a no-brainer.
1: Yeah, there's, there's plenty of fighters yeah. out there that are willing to, to, to fight and mm-hmm. just give them a place to do so. And
0: and guys who would be champions, because that's their their real natural weight class. in-betweens. Yeah. I think that what one FC is doing in terms of weight cutting is the way to do it. But the other side is, they're not doing the same thing that USADA is doing in terms of steroids.
1: So they they're just are not. able to take
0: steroids. 100%. Mm-hmm. 100%. Talk to guys who compete over there, and it's like, yeah, I mean, there's some... some testing
1: so would you rather fight somebody that's heavier than you or somebody that's taking very steroids
0: it's a very good question because if they were not just taking steroids but also taking EPO mm-hmm. there's a lot of different shit that people can take you know mm-hmm. they can give you more like EPO is a scary one because the person has more gas in their tank to beat yeah. you. Yeah, they have more. They can hit you. They can take shots better. They can recover better, and then they can come after you. And then they they'll have more gas in the tank than maybe they could put you mm-hmm. away. Where I'd they would fight
1: somebody that was heavier than me and yeah. depleted from cutting water weight than somebody that was taking steroids or EPOs for, for sure.
0: For a woman, I think for sure.
1: For sure,
0: And I think there's. For women, for women, there's a real argument that once someone has ever taken steroids, that you've altered your chemistry enough and mm-hmm. your physiology enough that you're forever going to have some sort of an advantage.
1: So then there's nothing you can do about that.
0: It's quite, well, I mean... Maybe
1: deduct a point before you even get in the octagon.
0: That's not even good enough. <laughs> so many KOs people, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. How yeah. often do you spar?
1: Um, I would say heavy sparring once a week. Once a week. Like, um, so we do uh like uh, mma grappling on mondays tuesdays is a heavy sparring it's the 16 ounce let's throw down sparring wednesdays is wrestling thursdays is mma glove sparring so it's kind of more just um accuracy like light on the striking heavy on the grappling and then friday's technical work technique Stuff like that Now
0: you're at a gym You're at Jackson Winklejohn Which is one of the best gyms On the planet earth But also a gym That's filled with savages I mean Yeah There must be a lot of chest bumping And a lot of people (laughs) That are trying to test people And there's gotta be girls Who are there Who look at a girl like you And say Hey this girl's where I wanna be Yeah and I mean, I've, I've talked to males who train there. And say, man, let me tell you something. There's some Russian cats that just show up out of nowhere and try to take your head off.
2: Yeah. And, it, <laughs> yeah.
1: and they go outside and smoke some cigarettes <laughs> and drink some vodka. No,
0: Do they, are they smoking cigarettes?
1: <laughs> um, some of them. Are we. That's are, weird. Fighters are crazy. You get the funniest, coolest stories from meeting fighters all around the world. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Jackson's is is um, it's a Shark Tank. Like you're not going there to find Nemo. You know. It's, <laughs>
0: You're finding you jobs. Yes,
1: exactly. So you gotta you, you have to have a good set of skills before you get there in mm. order to kinda hold your own. Right. And we do actually have an amateur um team right now that uh is run by Joey V. Senor, and he's done an amazing job with the amateur team and so um we've kind of been able to separate the classes in that sense where Joey um is kind of overseeing all of the amateur fighters and he's building these amateur fighters. And when he feels like they're ready to come and train with the pros, he'll give them the go, you know, Mm. or or do a trial run where they, where they train with us for one week and see if they're ready. And, um, you know, for a higher level of competition. And then if they are, then they stay. And if they're not, then they come back to the amateur team. And, and it's, it's actually worked out quite well.
0: Oh, that's great. So Mm -hmm. do they start people from fresh, like no skills at all? Some. So, you, so there's classes there for total beginners?
1: Uh yeah. It's crazy if you ever like go into a gym and see like um when you when you see like amateurs or people that have like zero training spar versus like Professional fighters spot. Yeah. it's crazy. It's almost looks more dangerous. Yeah, it really, is more dangerous. So I would not want to be in that w- in like the cage with some of those people that like because you just don't know where the punches or kicks are coming from. And they're all coming
0: full blast. <laughs> exactly, hundred yeah. percent. Don't have like, any control. No,
1: yeah. Well, I always said
0: that about jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Jujitsu is the same thing. You, you don't. The last thing you want to do is r- grapple with a really strong guy who's about to get his blue belt.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez, yeah! It just Everybody's out on you. eagles gets in, you know, gets in the way. I think that's why they match up high level with low level, don't you think? Like, sure, so yeah. someone can
0: control you and ca- calm you down, and yeah.
1: I love jujitsu. I can't wait to, you know, to get my um, black belt in jujitsu, and uh, I think it's kind of brought me back to my more traditional background, where you know there's a little bit more structure when mm-hmm. it comes com- comes to that. The you belts know? and things. Yeah, the are belts, you training and- with the gi? <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Now, how much of that do you do? You use a lot of grips, like do you grab collars and sleeves and things like that?
1: I try. You do. I, I try to force myself outside of my comfort zone because I am so used to grabbing wrists, grabbing shoulders, and and you know, right at the crick of the elbows and stuff like that. And I find myself going for those grips because that's just what I've done for the last decade. But mm-hmm. because I am stepping into their world, I want to learn. I want to learn the grips and I want to learn all of that stuff. You
0: know? mm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's great if you want to compete in jujitsu with a gi, mm-hmm. but I think for MMA, I think the best b- benefit of jujitsu with a gi for MMA is defensive mm-hmm. <coughs> for submissions because yeah. you get caught in things you can't power out of them because no, it's not slippery.
1: Uh-huh. And I'm, I'm slippery. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> I love nogi because I can slip out of things yeah. and I'll just wait. Until I have a little bit of space. And then yeah. I'm bah! out. Yeah, I'm just that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just out. But I can't do that in gi. And like, yeah. So what I'll do a lot of times is I'll go train gi. And I'll do the technique class. And then when it's time to go like do live rolling, I just take my gi off. And oh. then I go, no gi.
0: That's smart. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that way everything you're doing is applicable in MMA. Because one of the things we used to see in the early days of MMA, you see these gi world champions, like elite level world champions. And they'd fight in MMA and they lost all of their technique, mm-hmm. because everything was collars yeah. and sleeves and pants and everything was grabbing things. Yeah. Whereas instead of now they try to go to cable grips or overhooks and underhooks and they're all confused. They uh-huh. they're like their technique is off. Yeah. And they would be like a blue belt or a purple belt, yep. world champions.
1: Yeah, I think it's great. Like my, my professor now, um, he so I'll I'll be rolling with his with his wife or some of his students and he like. It's weird because they're getting me ready for my fights, but I'm also getting them ready for Worlds and stuff like that. So depending on who's getting who ready is what he'll call out if we're going. And I'm, you know, there's I'm sitting in their guard. Um, he'll tell them that they have to get active. They're like, he'll, he'll straight up say, if if she was fighting you, you should just be punching in the face. You got to move. You got to do something, mm, you know. So yeah. I think it's good just to give them a different perspective as well.
0: Have yeah. you ever watched combat jujitsu?
1: Uh, I've seen a couple, but where they get to slap them in the face and stuff like that. Yeah, I've seen some of it.
0: That's interesting because it shows you where there are these gaps where like, hey, this is an MMA. But if it was, you'd be getting pounded on right here. You you can't just hang out. Like there's moments in jujitsu that are unrealistic Mm -hmm. in self-defense situations or in a fight situation. Yeah,
1: and that's where I get frustrated. But it's good. I need that frustration because I'll be in a position and in my head I'm like, I could just punch you right now in the face, <laughs> but I can't because we are grappling. <coughs> uh,
0: so your schedule that you're laying out, is this a schedule of Jackson Winklejohn? Is yeah. this just their schedule? So,
1: Yeah, that's what I do in the mornings at the gym.
0: So who sets up like when you're in camp, when you have to do, you know, you, you've got a fight, it's 12 weeks from now, mm-hmm. who sets up your schedule?
1: Uh, I think what we do is we we get a fight scheduled, and then we we get all the coaches in together. And so my jiu-jitsu coach, I go to Gracie Baja for jiu-jitsu. So jujitsu wrestling, you know, Coach Jackson, Coach um, Wingo John, Joey Villasenor, and my husband. And my husband's with me all the time, so he kind of oversees everything. And uh, we just sit down and we talk about all the things we need to get together. I do... One private with Coach Jackson a week. I do two privates with Coach Wink a week. I do a private with uh, Coach Villasenor, and then I do all those in the morning. And then I I, and then I work out at my house as well, and then I do jiu-jitsu.
0: What do you do at your house?
1: Um, It depends on the day. Sometimes we do simulations. We'll do, like, round simulations. Sometimes it's just hardcore cardio. Sometimes it's just technical. Do you have something set up work. in your
0: garage or something? Yeah. That's nice.
1: We got a home gym. We got a... We got a, a clear light sauna. We got a, a fru health. Um,
0: What's a clear light sauna?
1: It's like, it's an infrared sauna. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we have a, a cold plunge.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. nice.
1: And so. And so I, you
0: can get something in at home.
1: Everything. Everything. If we needed to, we could do our whole camp at Oh, that's yeah, great. But um, I, I really enjoy being at the gym around my teammates and around my coaches and just pulling energy from them, you know. Sure, mm-hmm. sure.
0: What about strength and conditioning? How often are you doing that?
1: I do strength. Uh, I do more strength and conditioning when I'm out of camp so like right now I'm doing strength and conditioning like three or four times a week uh, but when I'm in camp it, it depends on my body and it depends on what I'm needing at the time but I usually once or twice a week and then I run <coughs> just for maintenance just for like, med- like meditative running you know nothing hard
0: so like longer distance but slower
1: yeah, but not even too long, like A three miles. minutes, three miles. Yeah, nothing crazy.
0: That hill that Jackson loves to throw <laughs> people up, what is that all about? It's, that looks crazy. It
1: is crazy. I mean, it's... um. It, it, Coach Jackson always says if the mountain can't beat, you nobody can beat you. you know It's like Mother Nature, Mother mm-hmm. Nature's a mother, you know. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> there's something about that steep ass hill yeah, too. You, and you it's watch crazy. everybody, the whole team running up it, you're like, Ugh.
1: It's crazy because well there's that one, but then Coach Wink has another one and that one's just insane. You can't sprint up it. you like crawl up it and it's really yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, How steep is it? It's so steep you can't run. you have to like cr- you have to basically the first three sprints, there's 10 sprints to the top. And then, you, and then you slowly jog back down because it's really steep. But the first three, you really can't sprint up, but you kind of have to bear crawl up the, the mountain.
0: As fast as you can.
1: As fast as you can. <laughs> but the one, um, the Hill of Tears is, is crazy because- That's what they call it? The Hill of Tears. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it goes up, it goes up, and then it goes up. So, mm. like, when you think you're almost there, it, like, cranks up even harder. And then you have to get to the top. And um, it'll test you for sure. It can break you.
0: Well, that camp is known for its endurance. Mm-hmm. Like, the fighters that come out of that camp are, are known for having great cardio. Yeah. And how often do, does Jackson make everybody or Winklejohn make everybody do those those hills?
1: it just depends. Um, we used to do them as a team as teams quite a bit as a team quite a bit on the weekends but you know coach and coach Wing. is this it right here yep oh that's me <laughs> that's, my that's, you your d- that's my dog my my dobie it doesn't look like anything really but
0: oh it looks like it to me <laughs> yeah i'm used to running hills i know what it's like that looks terrible yeah. looks like that <laughs>
2: yeah that, that's what it feels like
0: <sighs> yeah it's it's amazing how gravity is one of the best things to work with like get a good pitch good steep angle mm-hmm. and try to run up that it's one of the the best things for strength and conditioning for just conditioning your lungs and your your ability to recover
1: yeah yeah I I, I love it I think that um again it's another one of those things that can can really break you and uh, I think it's just like a a theme like a consistent theme in fighting is is will you break you know can if you break then you're not meant for it you know or or maybe you are and you just need to to heal up and go back at it and try it again but
0: when you in terms of your mental endurance i mean that's what we're talking about right we're talking about fortitude and your spirit your indomitable spirit when if you go back to when you first started fighting versus now like your tolerance must be through the roof. Like what you can tolerate, what you can endure, and your belief in yourself. Yeah, all that stuff I feel evolves just like your skills do.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And and but it's crazy too because you know we all have our our own separate journeys. And I feel like when you first start fighting, just like when you're a kid and you jump off of things and you you're fearless because you don't know what it feels like to get hurt. And then you break your leg, and then you're like, "Well, oh, I'm never doing that again." You know, I, th- yeah. I feel like it's the same in fighting. Like when you see a lot of amateur fighters or, or new fighters, they they go out there and they just do whatever because they're fearless. Yeah. They've never been knocked out. They've never been hit. They've never broken anything, and so they're just gonna go out there and 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 be fearless. And and then they get knocked out or submitted. And then the next time they go out, they're not as as free.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think the the true the true test is to see if, you know, you can deal with those those challenges and allow it to to make you grow versus you know, petrify you and and, and make you go backwards. Right. You know?
0: Do you do any psychological training? Do you have a mental coach or a hypnotist or anything like this? I do.
1: I have a sports psychologist, Doctor Shandon, and he's he's um he's been working with me for my last three fights and I've won all three fights and I think that's a, a a big reason why, for sure.
0: Yeah i I think that is a, a giant overlooked factor, mm-hmm. and some people get along great without it. But could they be even better with it? That's Absolutely. The real, yeah, I think so as well.
1: Absolutely. I there's so much that goes into fighting that I think people don't see. You know, I think it's just like with anything in life, like how, how long it takes to make a movie versus the actual movie, and 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 what goes into that 15 minutes of a fight that nobody even knows, you know, not just eight weeks, but <laughs> your entire, you know, training before that, you know. For me, it's, you know, I've been doing martial arts since I was 10 and fighting professionally for over 10 years. And so it, it's an accumulation of all of those things. But um, each fight presents its own problem. And if you're not mentally prepared for it, if you're not prepared, Physically, if you're not prepared, like spiritually, emotionally, like hormonally, if that's even a word,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is.
1: Um, it, it, everything has to line up that one night, those 15 minutes or 25 minutes, in order for you to win. And um, you can definitely beat yourself before you even step into the octagon.
0: So, what kind of stuff do you work on with your psychologist without giving any, too much away?
1: I talk to him about this all the time because it's like my secret sauce, right? But how he explains this is everybody knows what you're supposed to do, but you have to put in the work. Just like physically, you have to put in the work. Mm. Like I can sit up here and I can tell you what I do, but it's not going to make a difference unless you actually put in the work to to strengthen your mind mentally. Um, But um, we do a lot of... um, so your opponent, it's not like you can practice sparring them because you've never fought them before. Um, and so, how he explains it to me is, it's just a repetition, you know, of the mind. And um, so when, so you just have to really, I think, explore your imagination. And um, for us, we we practice the fight in our head. And um, some days are harder than others. Sometimes I, I win the fight in the first 10 seconds of the, of the round. Sometimes it's all five rounds and, and it's a war and, and I win that way. But you have, to, you have to see yourself going through every different scenario. And there are millions in MMA. And you just practice them over and over and over.
0: So it's essentially just going through that or do you, <clears throat> do you prepare your mindset in what, what of- we do
1: is for for, for 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 me I have a set of power words is what he calls them
0: power words mm-hmm. want to tell us what they are
1: and so <laughs> um yeah I can um confidence uh flow vicious um let me think. Of see mom champ,
0: mom champ, yeah, because you want to be the first mom champ,
1: yes, sir. Um, healthy, there are a couple of others as well, mm-hmm. but the <laughs> one word is is not just a word it's like a whole thought process so when i say one word it 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 feeds into an entire feeling if that makes any sense Mm. and so instead of having to have a conversation in my mind which takes way too long i just say confidence and it takes me where i need to be and um eventually i won't you you shouldn't even have to do that you should just be in the moment and um just allow your your mind to connect with your body
0: Mm. do you do any meditating at all
1: yeah i i mean i would say it's kind of a meditative i i would say it's more of a a practice than it is meditation because i'm not trying to clear my mind i'm really trying to focus on something specific
0: right but Mm -hmm. outside of that you don't meditate
1: uh I wouldn't yep. say so. Maybe just, maybe in my <coughs> runs. Sometimes right, when sure. I run, I just, that's when I clear my mind. What about you?
0: Yeah, I've been doing it a little bit, but most of what I do, I do when I get in the tank, uh-huh. float tank.
1: I like float tank.
0: Do you, do you use one?
1: I have before. Mm-hmm. It feels like you're floating in space.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Does Jackson's have one? No. They should have one.
1: We should, huh?
0: Except you wouldn't want to go in there after guys. That's you know, <laughs> disgusting. You know we have a we that. have
1: a hot sauna at, at the gym, and there's tons of people. There's tons of people, so it gets good use.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure. The hot sauna though is different than a float tank. Cause a float tank's so personal. It's just one little you know, yeah in there, you're naked.
1: Uh-huh. Is I I they showed me yours, and it felt mm-hmm. hotter than the ones that I've ever done.
0: No, is it's it, the is right it, temperature. Is it? <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. Ninety
0: four degrees. That's really? what it should be. Yeah, it should be the same as the surface of your skin. As your body temperature, yeah. right? Yeah. Because
1: yeah. it was crazy. I remember doing it one time and I kind of drifted off and I remember almost waking up and feeling like I was like floating in space. Yeah, sure. Almost like kinda panicked because I I didn't have a sense of where my what my where my body was.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what triggers these weird psychedelic states, but if you can find one and use it on a regular basis, it works great with visualization. Mm-hmm. A lot of athletes, UFC and other sports as well, they, they use it for visualization. Mm-hmm. Like they'll think about passes, like throwing a pass yeah. and then watching someone catch it. They'll, they'll visualize things and go through the, the, the technique yeah. in their head. And I've done that with jiu-jitsu as well. I've done that with certain techniques that I was really trying to learn. You could do it as if you're rolling. Mm -hmm. you know like you're you're just like picturing your body going through the different positions yeah
1: yeah that's basically what we do um with the mental training and um it probably just take it up a notch in the um in the float tank yeah i'm sure but a lot of times like when i meet up with my uh, with dr Shendon, we meet up at at noisy places like starbucks or you know or at a coffee shop or something like that Mm. and it's because he want he that that life is always going to have distractions.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: And um, you know, you need to be able to focus with distractions. Especially me, like there's so many things going on in my life with being a mother and a wife. Um, that sometimes I can use the distractions as an excuse to justify why I'm not getting things done or this or that,
2: you know. Right.
1: And um, so that's something that I've really been working hard at is to not to not use those as excuses, but more so to 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 allow the distractions to happen and, and, and choose to stay focused anyways.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: There are, there's quite a few women's MMA fighters now, but it's still small in comparison to men. Mm-hmm. When you meet young girls that look up to you, do you recognize that you have, you have a very, there's, there's a very critical and it's a very small role. There's an, in small in terms of, sm- small amount of people mm-hmm. providing that role yeah. as role models to young kids that are yeah. thinking about fighting when a young girl meets you like oh my god it's the karate hottie <laughs> like is it is it weird to you like what is that feeling like to you when you meet a young girl and you say oh my god this is me when i was 16 yeah
1: it's amazing it really is to, to know that just through my story that I've touched people's lives, you know. Um I I get approached a lot by by parents, you know, that are happy that I'm pursuing what what I'm pursuing even being a mom, you know. So, um I think that's really cool just because I feel like when I was pregnant um How there, old's your daughter now? She's 8. Yeah. So when I was... I thought she was
0: much younger for some reason.
1: I know. She's a shrimp. That's why. Maybe you know, saw all the pictures when she was younger, too. Yeah, she's so. itty-bitty. I, I, I... This might be too much information, but... <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, after I had my daughter... She's been to every single one of my fights. Um, and... Uh, I had my first fight back when I was ten months old, and I was still breastfeeding. I like breastfed her when
0: she was ten months old, not when you yes, were ten months old. Yes,
1: <laughs> when she was ten. <laughs> <months>. <laughs> wow,
0: you had a fight while you were breastfeeding. Yeah, that was your first fight.
1: My first fight back.
0: Oh, okay. From, how many fights did you have before your daughter?
1: Ooh, I had a good amount, I'd say. I don't even. Have you
0: been fighting for ten years professionally? Twelve years. Twelve years.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a good amount. I, I, I was 25 when i had her when i was pregnant but yeah i just remember being pregnant and being everybody talks about like postpartum depression but i was really depressed during my pregnancy i mean don't get me wrong i loved being pregnant and there was a lot of memories that i had with her being in my belly and me feeling her and all of this and that that um those moments i i I treasure forever but i was depressed like i couldn't do what i wanted to do it's not like i could go out and you know if i was feeling bad i couldn't just throw the gloves on and go out and spar and, and hit somebody in the face you know mm.
0: like. <laughs> <laughs> you know normal thing. that's what
1: you do to relieve stress <laughs> <laughs> and i just i i watched everybody get better
0: oh. and i
1: watched everybody progress and and fight and you know, it ate me alive and I just, I, there was just so much uncertainty and so much unknown. Was my body going to be the same? You know, was I going to even want it? Was I going to have time to do it? Um, there was just so much that I didn't know. And so I was, I was really down then and I, um, I get a lot of moms that approach me and they tell me that because I went back and continued to pursue my dream that they did too,
2: you mm-hmm.
0: know.
1: And I think that um, that's cool
0: that is cool now when you say you had your first fight back 10 months that's that's a really for people that don't recognize that's a very short amount of time to rebound from mm-hmm. giving birth and then get yourself back in shape then get yourself into fighting shape yeah. where you're like i'm ready to take a fight and yeah. then train for the fight i mean that is a incredible process to go through in 10 months
1: it was crazy it really was my body was it, when you when you have a baby you're your bones kind of like drift apart from each other and, um, you gain weight. And I, after I had her, my daughter, I found out that I, well, during my pregnancy, I got gestational diabetes and, um, and I gained like 50 pounds. I gained a lot. Like I looked like, um, the blueberry on a uh, Willy Wonka and the chocolate. <laughs> <fatty>. <laughs> but, um, yeah,
0: I, I, How long did it take you to bounce back? Were you in the gym again?
1: I probably stayed with my daughter for the first three months that I had her. And I just wanted to be a mom. I just wanted to be with her. And I wanted to nurture her and, you know, enjoy my time with her. Uh, and I think it was after three months where I was like, I I want to
0: kick, somebody in the kick head. some
1: butt. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to <laughs> relieve some stress. <laughs> so... And Coach Wink and Coach Jackson and all my teammates were so supportive. And so I would come into the gym and I'd have, you know, my diaper bag in one hand and my gym bag in the other and my car seat. And I'd I'd come into the gym and I'd set it all down and I'd get wrapped up and she'd be in the car seat and she'd chill out. And wow. if she would start to cry, Coach Wink or Coach Jackson would pick her up. And then, you know, they'd let me spar and, you know, she needed to get she needed to eat i would go to the room and feed her and then come back and 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 we made it work wow yeah so um so i started training for that and i really couldn't run to to lose the weight because my joints and my bones were like all spread apart you know so
0: when you say spread apart like what what actually does happen
1: well they i mean i don't know like all the the science behind it but they just say that in order to like have the baby like everything kind of separates from each other your your bones like loosen and you're like more agile and mm. loose and stuff like that and so and you, you
0: felt it I you felt a big it. difference in the way your body performed
1: yeah for sure I felt it and um so instead of running I would swim from my cardio and that helped me because mm. mm-hmm. um, it wasn't hard on my joints or anything like that it kind of helped me get back into shape and you kind of just you kind of just go with the flow and figure it out as you go. It was really hard. I was worried that I was worried that because I got back into sparring and this and that that um I would go dry like my milk would go dry, but I didn't it just my body just figured okay, this is what what you do and i I, I still produce milk and everything and it was really sensitive at first to get hit and And then I just got used to the pain, and then
0: Ow! <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have one of those um like yikes, yeah, I would imagine you're yeah, I mean if your memories, you know they
1: mm-hmm. pump up yeah it's it's the body is just so amazing though like it'll it'll adapt to what it needs to adapt to and and when I trained it, I got used to the pain, and then it didn't hurt anymore, and then you know my I would only produce as much as she needed, it was wow. really cool, yeah
0: Now, when you fought ten months it's pretty incredible for your daughter to have only seen you fighting. that's mm-hmm. got to be crazy too, right? you yeah. I mean, can't remember when you weren't fighting yeah You've, my mom kicks ass
1: yeah she has, she has a really cool upbringing, I, I think like she's just she's she's surrounded by really cool people. Like she gets to meet the coolest people in the world, and they 're normal to her
0: because mm. that, you
1: know she she sees John and Holly and you know that's that 's auntie Holly to her and right. so like you know her expectations for for what she can be in life I think are way higher, you know, and I think because she 's surrounded by people like that that she and, and that 's why I like to keep her around because you know i my dad used to always tell me that um we learn through our actions our parents actions you know you walk the walk you don't talk the talk and so I think the best teacher can be my actions and Mm -hmm. for her to see it through her own eyes I can tell her this this and this all day but but it's a different story when she comes to a fight with me and I'm the champion the 105 champion and I'm defending my belt and You know, I bust my eye open to the point where you can't see it anymore and I lose my belt. And for her to see that and for her to see that mommy's okay, and that failure is a part of life and that I still love what I do. And I'm going to still go after, you know, my set of dreams because failure is a part of your journey, you know.
0: That's an amazing lesson for a kid to learn, mm-hmm. and to see that at a high level, growing up with her mother on this giant stage in front of all these people in the crowd and television, that's amazing for her.
1: Yeah, and because people ask me all the time, like, "Is, aren't you afraid that she's going to see you get hurt <coughs> and this and that?" But why would you want to shield them from that stuff? I know, I know, it's it's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. You don't want your children to see you hurt and this and that, but. I'd rather her see it and be prepared for it, you know, because life isn't fair. Life isn't sunshine and rainbows all the time.
0: Yeah, it's challenging for her and challenging things for kids. That's how they grow.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, that, that's Do you have, when you think about your career, do you have a timeline where you don't want to fight anymore? How old are you now? I'd like
1: to fight for the belt this year.
0: This year? Yeah. You're 30? 33. 33. Mm-hmm. So you're in your prime. Mm-hmm. Like right now that's like an athlete's prime is like 30 to like 35, 36. Yeah. You're in that zone.
1: I'm in the zone. I'm confident. I feel ready. I feel like I've gone through my ups and downs. I've 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 gone through all the steps that I that are necessary for me to be confident to to be a contender.
0: Do you have a timeline when you want to stop?
1: I would give myself I don't know, you know, it just really depends on how my career goes. But I would say three to four more years.
0: So you're just you're just in the zone right mm-hmm. now. You're just concentrating on getting things done, fighting for a title. You're not thinking about like planning the future up.
1: I would like more children. Oh. Ah. Um, I know my husband doesn't care for it. My daughter doesn't even care for me to have more <laughs> children. She'd rather just be the three of us, you know. But um, I would like more children. And um I, I have taken steps to to figure out what I'm going to do when, I'm, when I retire as a fighter. Um, but uh, I, I feel like this story needs to I, I, I need to finish out this story for my, my own sake, and for you know millions of other parents out there that you know have a dream and, and don't give up on their dream, and just because they have children, it's a longer road, but it's worth it.
0: You know? Yeah, I hear you Now when you look at the division It's an incredible division now it's So talent stacked mm-hmm. We don't know what's going to happen with Rose She, I mean, She's even said she might retire Yeah, And she's a very eccentric person I mean she's She's not motivated by money not She's at a, all. very, very unusual
2: And
1: I love how honest she is about Her <coughs> emotions
0: <coughs> Yeah, and, and, I do and as very, well
1: like, She's very vulnerable She's yeah. very
0: strong mm-hmm. I mean in terms of like her ability to Broadcast that and mm-hmm. tell everybody and project it. um So she was—I th- I felt like she was winning that fight for sure. And hundred um, percent, yeah. She got caught with one of the craziest slam KOs we've ever seen. I mean, you got to go back to like Carlos Newton, mad Hughes to yeah. have a slam KO like that. Yeah, I don't, I'm trying to remember. Like it's one—it's one of the best slam KOs of all time. Maybe yeah. Tito Ortiz, Evan Tanner—that was another one. I mean, slam KO is a rare.
1: And I love that it came from the smallest division in the UFC. Right, I
0: right. think that
1: is just amazing. I'm, I'm just so proud of the starweight division, <laughs> if I can say so. But I do. I think it's stacked. I feel like in, for my – any fight that I have from here on out is championship caliber fight,
2: in mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah. Um, and well, that's why I want to sure. fight
1: for the belt. Like, I, I want to go for the belt so that it's legit. Like, we're fighting for the belt. You know, and after that, it's a championship fight every time.
0: Yeah, when you're looking at that division, you have those two, Jessica Andrade, and we don't, again, we do not know where Rose's head is at, what mm-hmm. she wants to do. But if she wanted to have a rematch, they probably would set that up. Yeah. Then you have Ioana, mm-hmm. Um, you have Tatiana Suarez, who's a beast. You have, you have you. You have who else in the division stands out to you?
1: Um. Well, Nina sure tatiana has to get through nina first sure and, and she kind of just riding under the radar I know it's nina and it's crazy to me is, she's um, badass and and maybe it's because and that's a problem that i've had too is that i'm not as vocal you know when mm-hmm. she just she just goes in there and does her thing and um and i think that a lot of people are overlooking her as well sure um and and that's why i'm just i'm speaking out now this is what i want mm-hmm. and um uh, Josh always jokes. He says you get a hundred percent of what you don't ask for. <laughs> so, so I'm asking for it. It's what I want, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, there's, there's Wadeley. Um, so I know that they're they're trying to pump her, and she's really good um, coming out of China. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, obviously Tisha, Claudia, and and even the girls outside of the top ten are dangerous. It's 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 a stacked division, and and it can go.
0: It's probably the most talented division. I, in women's I would MMA. say so
1: for sure. Technically and heart driven, I would say for sure.
0: Now, what have they said in terms of like what your future holds? If, do they have anything lined up for you? When do they say? Like if they're going to come to you and say, "Hey, Michelle, we'd like you to fight in July or mm-hmm. August or September." Like when would they come to you?
1: I just feel like. Um, with the way that the rankings are, w- are working, if I just take a fight outside of who, the ch- who is the current champ, I'm going to be in the same spot. I've won my last two fights, and I've gone down in rankings. You know, so I, um, I, I really would like to hold off to fight the champion because I feel like any other fight is going to either take me down or keep me in the same spot. So... I don't know what they're planning on doing with Tatiana and Nina, but uh, if they're trying to give them a shot before me, I feel like I'll, I want the winner of that and let me and them hash it out to, to fight for the belt.
0: Mm, so that would be what you would do as a second choice. First choice is you want to fight for the belt. Second Absolutely. choice is whoever's going to fight for the belt, let me fight her.
1: Let me fight them first because Tatiana's only had seven fights, nothing against her. Like She's, you know, she's pled her case. I have three times as money fights as she does. You know, I've fought for a belt before. I've been a champion before. I've gone five rounds before. I've fought main event before. I've worked my way back up. Just give me a shot. Let me be mom champ. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to get there before somebody else does, right?
1: That's what I'm saying.
0: Because the only other person in that, well, and gano, you know, I mean, yeah. I don't know how our eyeballs doing right now. I know that I, was a crazy situation to have all those fights in the UFC and never have someone get towed in the eye like that before. And crazy. obviously, you know that's how Winklejohn lost his vision.
1: Yeah, it's scary. Yeah, it is really scary to think that this is what we do and that there's very there are so many dangers.
0: Yeah, I mean but, you, you're in a wild business, lady. Yeah,
1: but I, yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't train it for the world. I, you know, this is what I love doing. So.
0: Well, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Then you're in the right spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, you know, you rank number seven in the world. Even It's got to be frustrating, though, that you have gone down in rankings, even though yeah, you haven't lost. Uh,
1: absolutely, 100%. And, and I just, um, I don't know why they would argue for me not to get the belt to go for it. You know, everything's there. The storyline is there. Yeah. Um, it would be, you know, technique versus strength, speed versus power
0: this is you and Jessica yeah yeah Yeah.
1: and um and like I said there were there there were millions of people rallying behind me because they want to see me you know get that belt and and I do too you know I'd I'd love for my daughter to see that dream of mine come true and and uh, for her to come in the, the octagon with me and be holding that belt I think it would be an amazing moment
0: yeah it's crazy watching kids see their parents win titles Mm-hmm. how amazing it is to them. It's 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 a very strange thing to see. Like that, oh my god, you know, my mom is the champ of the world or my dad's champ we've never seen it obviously from mm-hmm. a woman, but that my dad's a champ of the world. Yeah. It's it's a very powerful thing. Yeah. So yeah. you're in a holding pattern right now, essentially. Yep
1: That's 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 what we're doing. When right was your last now? fight? Um was it April? March or April. March or April. Yeah, we're just working, we're getting better. That's almost
0: a year. No, this April. This April. April. What mm-hmm. am I talking about? Yeah, oh, I, I fought. I brain. fought Carolina
1: Kovalevich. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was a great fight. Um, I wanted the finish, but you can't force those things, you know. So uh, I'm just gonna continue to do what I'm doing and continue to get better. And
0: what did you think of her loss to Andrade? That was crazy.
1: I feel like Styles make fights, mm. and it was the perfect fight for Andraj to showcase her knockout power because KK is a pressure fighter and she instinctively will go forward and throw when she is in danger. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, you know? Yeah. Um, and she throws hard. Obviously she put, um, Ioana, you know, she buckled Ioana a couple times. She's
0: dangerous. She, She's she very, won. very tough. She won yeah. against Rose. Yeah.
1: You know, so um, but yeah, I think styles make fights and, um, that's, that's what happened with her in that situation. What do you think?
0: Uh, Andrade is unusually strong. Yeah. Like freakish, mm-hmm. you know, like you see when she grabs a hold of people and then dumps them on their ass. Like yeah. she's, she's freakishly powerful mm-hmm. to be able to like hit that single and elevate uh, rose that way and drop her on her head mm-hmm. when you, you think about how strong you have to be to do that
1: it's beautiful it's yeah. beautiful to watch um
0: she's a beast great yeah. technique as well no mm-hmm. no doubt about it but man a lot of horsepower
1: that's her bread and butter and i and i figure I, I honestly i i gave it to rose to win the fight um it only takes a split second though to lose your focus and to get picked up and slammed down like that and then the fight's over
0: you know for the division it's actually probably good because it's exciting Mm because it mixes things up a bit you have Joanna, who is the dominant champion for (laughs) so long rose comes along so beats her and then jessica dumps rose in her head and beats her in a fight that she was losing i mean it's like it's a hotbed of talent it's really it's that 115 pound women's division is amazing right now it really is
2: yeah
1: yeah and um so that's what i'm wanting that's exactly what i want and uh in the meantime, we just we just get better. Beautiful. Know? We we train and we get better. I feel like what's gonna beat and- Andrade is um, I mean Rose had, Rose was doing exactly what she was doing. I think that Rose actually kind of got a, a bit just just a little bit complacent and and like she she's even said it herself. It was a moment of of laziness.
0: A lapse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And well, it's easy to. I mean, it's so hard after the fact to try to figure out what went wrong and why it went wrong. Yeah. What was going on in her head? But clearly, it was not lacing up the legs when she was attacking the Kimura. She mm-hmm. was elevated and dumped.
1: And 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 I'm sure for a lot of her camp, she's she was able to do that with um, with her teammates and probably pop off good submissions, you know. But in the moment of a fight for a championship belt in your hometown against a person that's bread and butter is a pile drive you know yeah it it, it's just like stacks up against you for
0: sure well good luck trying to find someone as strong as val as her uh, outside of maybe valentino who she does train with i mean but jessica andrage is probably one of the strongest women in the 150 pound division she's so damn strong Mm -hmm. so good luck trying to find someone to replicate that in training and
1: you don't train that you don't, tra- you, don't train that, yeah. <laughs> you don't train the pile driver right. like that's dangerous yeah that's one of those things that you just I don't, I don't i don't know
0: she does train Valentina though, who's one of the strongest women at hundred and twenty five mm-hmm. Valentina's a tank
1: mm-hmm. that's a
0: very strong woman, but her
1: style is different too yep. she's yep. a she's a counterfighter yep. and she picks and chooses when she wants to go, and if Super she holds you down strike striker. yeah like her takedowns are are not undrageous takedowns right you know right. so I don't know. We'll
2: see.
0: It is one of the things that's so exciting about the sport is that there are so many different ways to approach it. Mm-hmm. There's so many different ways. There's your way, karate style. There's Joanna's way, Muay Thai. You know, I mean, there's, so, there's Jessica's way, Bulldog. Get a hold of you, take her down. Mm-hmm. And you know, in a lot of ways, Joanna also showed how to beat Jessica Andrade. Exactly. You know, yeah. she showed how to beat and her. I,
1: I just I feel the difference with Joanna and Rose is that Rose because. This is just my opinion because Rose has mm, it has shown to have more variety in her in her toolbox. She's she's really good grappling and this and that. That I don't think she's as she's not a hesit, as hesitant to go to the ground. I feel like if 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 the situation allowed it, she would go to the ground and even get a submission on Andraj. Whereas with Joanna. She knows what she has to do to win and she'll be stubborn in that sense and do that for five minutes, for five rounds consistently. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I feel like with Rose, she's, she will, she'll take risks and, and a lot of times it does work for her, you know, and sometimes it just doesn't.
0: Yeah, and that was just one of those times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just It's interesting to see her talk about fighting, in per- period, that she doesn't know if she has that in her anymore, just to be mean to a person, to hurt yeah. a person. But I, I thought that was really interesting. She's
1: Yeah, I, I love how honest she is, but I also feel like a big part of her getting the belt was to know that she could, you know, to know mm-hmm. that she could take down Yuana, the invincible, you know. Yeah. And then she did that, and then it was like, all right, well, now I know that I can. And it's kind of like, well, I've already, I've already accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. I don't know. Maybe that's just me thinking right. out loud of what maybe she might be going through, what might be going on in her mind, you know.
0: Let's say if you fought Andrade and you beat her and you become the champion, would that take a significant <laughs> amount of motivation away from you? Or would you have more motivation to defend it?
1: So we talk about this, too, because that's been such a huge goal of mine is to be the the champ. Um and I I want to say two fights ago, we started implementing, um, visualizations of me being the champ and defending the belt and how that would look like,
2: mm.
0: you
1: know, and, um,
0: this is with your psychologist,
1: mm-hmm, with my sports psychologist and, um, yeah, so that, that makes the mountain higher mm. <laughs> you yeah. know it's like it's not the end game once you get the belt and, and Coach Jackson would say that all the time it's easy to become the champ it's harder to stay the champ
2: you know? certainly
0: is mm-hmm. well listen Michelle you're very entertaining I love watching you fight I hope if you do get the, chi- uh, the chance to fight for the title that I'll be there to call it and uh, thanks for doing this I really appreciate it thank
1: you so much for it's having great me
0: for everybody to get a chance to get <laughs> to know you thank you Michelle Watterson ladies and gentlemen Bye, everybody.